please make sure you go over to YouTube, subscribe, or you can always find us on any of the podcast platforms, and that's Fostering Change. Well, you know what? It's hard to believe that this month is almost over. National Adoption Awareness Month. Wow. It has been absolutely a nonstop roller coaster. You know, I just got back from my mother-in-law's. Um, we spent Thanksgiving there um, with, uh, you know, at least this time I had three of my boys go, um, which my one son went because, of course, he's got his learner's permit and wanted to drive. But before I get started on this podcast, I have to say, Happy birthday, Tristan. My son today turns 15 years old. Um, I just want you to know, T, that you are just the light of my life. I am so proud to be your father. I am so lucky that you chose me um, and your data. And we just want you to know that um, the sun definitely rises and sets um, when it comes to you, Tristan. So I hope your 15th birthday is amazing today. And daddy will definitely make sure that that happens. You know, my next guest, um, we've actually, I know April, I'm excited to have April on. Um, April actually is the chief of staff for Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield in Indiana Medicaid Health Plan. And for those of you who um, have heard this story before, um, for the longest time that we actually um, had comfort cases and we started, we never had a corporate partner. And people would say to me all the time, um, why do you not have a corporate partner? And I would always say, I think it's my mouth is too big. And, I said, <laughs> and then lo and behold, our corporate partner, our very first one um, was Anthem in Indiana. And here I'm in, located in the state of Maryland. But since we have been partnering, and by the way, everybody, this is my friend, April. April, welcome <laughs> to Fostering Change. Thank you. April, I think we're going on our six-year partnership. Yep. Yeah, and I think um, just in Indiana, we've done 7,000 cases. That sounds right. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a lot of cases. You know, (laughs) because of that, it also opened up the entire door for Blue Cross Blue Shield, Elevance, um, Amerigroup, which we joined the Georgia Takeover, all started because of our partnership, you know, in Indiana. So to me, um, it's just like such a full circle moment. So thank you for all the love, the support, because we have, you know, just in the last two weeks in Georgia, we packed 2,000 cases um, with Amerigroup. So, you know, I want to jump right in and talk about you for a minute. You know, we know how wonderful Anthem is. We know, um, as I always say, Anthem is just not a, a health insurance company, but they are a full body circle of the foundation of our community, which we know that. But what, you know, the your story being a foster parent, first of all, you have a daughter, um, yeah. Madison, she's 15 years old, but mm-hmm. then you became a foster parent, uh, you and your husband, um, and ended up adopting. Did you always think that you were going to be a foster parent? I did not. Um, it was not on our radar initially, um, uh, but just something that happened through, you know, through our own journey, we had, you know, with fertility issues and things. So, you know, we just had friends in our lives that really blessed us with planting the seed to say, you know, we know that you guys want to grow your family. And there's a lot of kids that, you know, are looking for a home to spend some time in with. Um, and you guys might make a great family for foster care. So have you ever considered it? So at that point, the answer was no, but quickly turned to yes. So, 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 you know, 
for me, you know, adopted five kids, my husband and I out of foster care, me growing up in foster care, that foster care was not something that I even thought about, to be honest with you, when it came mm -hmm. to the adoption part, I've always thought that my husband and I would adopt overseas. And um, it was my husband who was like, um, why are we not adopting in foster care? <laughs> you know, um, yeah. 14 years ago, when we we took the jump, um, they they did it, they called it foster to adopt. I mean, it was very common. I know now they've changed the vocabulary because, you know, it's all about reunification, which, by the way, I am 100% supportive of reunification. I think foster care is not the answer whatsoever. I think, you know, if anything that we can do as a collective group of as a community and keep families together, the better off the child will be. When your younger daughter, Janaya, arrived, um, did you actually, was her goal reunification? It was. So we went through quite the process of, you know, we were, she was having visits with her family. Um, we were working through um, the case managers and um, her therapist to prepare her for the potential that she may be going back to live with family that she hadn't lived with since she was a, a baby. So by that time, she was almost four. So we were kind of that, you know, home in the middle, trying to help her to provide stability while they prepared her for potentially going back to her biological family after all those years in foster care. Um, and then, you know, just through a series of events, um, the reunification process just to continue to deteriorate. And that's when we were able to, you know, be granted the opportunity to adopt her. So, which we were very thankful for and happy to do. You know, I have to tell you that that is um, some of the hardest moments as a foster parent or, yeah. you know, because same situation with, with our kids, um, you know, at first the reunification is there, the visits are there, and then they start getting less and less. Yes. And less. yes. And the, and the issue that I have, and I say this quite often, and by the way, all the hate that you're going to come out to me, I get it all the time. Um, it is not fair to a child to sit on the sidelines of a game and wait for adults to play and be adults. Mm -hmm. um, and I do believe that every person falls. I do believe that every person deserves to have time um, to get to a situation that they can support their children. But I do not believe in, in that we should drag this on because right. I feel that that is doing more damage to the child, especially because we live in such a society where, you know, and, and, and by the way, this is for the birth parents too. I mean, we live in a society where we think the birth parents are bad. And then, you know, all of a sudden the, the, the tables are turning, the foster parents are bad and everybody's bad. And, you know, and I've always thought, you know, the best thing we could ever do for a child when they enter foster care is that everybody comes to the table together. The birth mm -hmm. parents come, the foster parents come, the CASA comes, the social worker comes, the guardian of litem comes, and a therapist comes. And then we all talk and we all sit and talk, what is the best for this child? And hopefully what that does is show the birth parents that the community wants to support them and get their children back. But I see so many times that there's just so much anger with everybody on that. Yeah. yeah, I think we definitely witnessed that. Um, I don't know, you know, I think that I try to put myself in the shoes of Janiyah's birth parents, you know, so at the time, um, it was just her father who's, who was the one who was trying to maybe um, be reunified with her. And I do try to put myself in his shoes, um, coming from different backgrounds and trying to get back on his feet to a point where he could care for her. But I think that 
you know, we did see the writing on the wall earlier in the process than later, but it still took a full 18 months of back and forth and her, you know, being in our home and visits. And then, like you said, kind of the visits get more intermittent um, and, you know, problems arise. And so it, it did, it took a full 18 months and it really took a toll on Janaya because she was so young and didn't understand. And it definitely took a toll on our family, um, just trying to understand what was going to happen next. Like, what are the next steps? And, you know, to your point, is everyone actually at the table at the same time? And I think that is definitely a struggle when you have so many people involved in each foster case. So. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And and it only takes one person to be against you um, yes. to, to make right. the whole entire wall crumble down. And I remember, you know, when my kids and, and, you know, it took us a long time to actually get the adoption going. And a lot of that is because 14 years ago in, in the District of Columbia, they didn't believe that two white men could raise four black children. So mm -hmm. we had to fight against that. And, sure. you know, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we'd have birth mothers and you know, birth fathers, by the way, who never showed up, but birth mothers who, you know, would go nine months without a visit, you know, judge changes the goal to adoption. Um, and then all of a sudden they show up for a visit and then the goal gets changed back again. And Correct. it's that right. constant. And the thing that really, I, I, the one thing I'm, I'm so vivid, I remember we had taken our children for a visit um, and we would always take them for the visit. We would take them, wait outside in the parking lot. Um, and I remember my daughter walking out of the visit crying and immediately I ran up to her and, you know, I picked her up. I was like, sweetie, what's wrong? And she's like, she didn't show again. Mm -hmm. And she was yeah. like five years old. And I just remember like, her, you know, gosh, that disappointment that, you know, she just wanted to see her mom, you know? Yeah. Just wanted to see her mom. And, you know, for that one hour, by the way, it's yeah, not right. You know, it's not like I'm asking right. you to take up your whole day, like you know we are as parents. That <laughs> didn't show up. You know, April, if there was anything that, you know, I always I love the question of the fact if there was something you could say, you know, to someone who's considering fostering, um, wh what would you say to them? I think one thing that I, you know, in trying to be an advocate for kids experiencing foster care and for even people who are on the, on the edge of thinking, could we do this? You know, I always think a lot of people say somebody needs to take care of those kids. Isn't it a tragedy that there's all these kids that don't have a home? And I think sometimes you have stuff saying someone needs to do it and say, I need to do it. Um, and it's not easy. I mean, there is no, I don't know of any foster situations where someone said, well, that was easier than I thought. That's not the case. But when I look at our, our daughter, um, when I look at Janiah and where she is today versus where she was when we first uh, met her and had her join our home, just to see the difference it's made in her life to give her that stability. I mean, you know, that's a multi-generational change that you are making through one person. So the impact of what we were able to do with Janaya and what we are doing just through loving her, giving her structure, having her be part of our family will change the course of time over generations, her children and their children. And so that's really what I try to remind people is it's not just this one life you're changing. You're impacting so many lives through this one, this yeah. one child. 
Yeah. You know, I was at a packing party over the weekend um, and on Saturday for National Adoption Day and a young boy walked up to me. He was a sophomore in college and I just told my story and he came up to me and he was like, he was like, my 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 mother was in foster care. My um, grand, my aunts and uncles were in foster care. And he was like, and I chose not to, that was going to be me. And I'm a sophomore in college. And I thought to myself, you know, what amazing kid. He had amazing foster foster parents, you know, because it is a generational thing that mm-hmm. we continue to see. And and by the way, you know, I agree with you. I mean, being a parent in general is hard. Okay? <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> you know, it's hard. Being a parent in general is hard. Yeah. And you never know, you know, whether you're you 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 naturally have your children or you adopt them through the love that you it's hard. But you know, the the myth that children in foster care are bad mm-hmm. is so wrong. You know yeah. Um, but I will tell you, I mean, I have a son who has reactive attachment disorder. It is, it's very difficult. I have a son with fetal alcohol syndrome, which, you know, to see him today when at the age of five, they told us we should institutionalize him. And now he's the 16 and he's the president of his school. Um, uh-huh. Children are resilient. Yes. Children are resilient, you know, and you also have to think about the fact that children come into the system because of choices other people made, you know, and other people made. Do you actually keep in touch with the birth father? Yes, um, we we do through email. Um, So my my system is that if he reaches out to us, I happily respond and send pictures. Um, You know, we don't share information about the rest of our family. We keep it just focused on Janaya. But I've always tried to be responsive because, again, in my heart, I try to remember what it feels like to be that other side of the coin, the parent who just wants to know how their child is doing. You know, he doesn't ask anything from us. He just wants to know, is she doing okay in school? Is she listening? You know, what's her favorite sport? And, you know, that's just not something I think I should withhold from him because that's showing that he loves her. Right. So, Yeah. yeah. So I'm more than happy to supply information anytime he reaches out. Yeah, we um, were, you know, our kids came in in different times and for different reasons. But um, two of our kids who arrived, you know, I always say, you know, I don't think that their birth mother, they, they should have never been taken from their birth mother. I feel like, you know, the system, it's that same thing that, you know, neglect is no more than poverty. And so mm-hmm. we have a really great relationship with one of the birth mothers. And she comes to the house for holidays and uh-huh. you know, special occasions. And, you know, I can call her anytime and she's just, and, and, and but it's taken years to get to that. I just sure. want to, yeah. there was lots of angry and, you know, hurtfulness in the beginning. But, you know, the thing I always want to say to my children is that I didn't keep you from your birth parents. Um, your birth parents are not in your life because of choices they made. And I think that that's Correct. something that we need to do. One of the things that I'm going to pick up on that you said, which by the mm-hmm. way, I've been trying to get people to say this for almost 10 years now is the fact that you call your that that their children experiencing foster care that you know trying to change that vocabulary that for so many years and generation generation these are foster kids and instead these are kids who are experiencing foster care and so I would say a big thank you for that so you know the fact is is you guys are amazing you know um Anthem, Blue Cross, and Blue Shield, I can never <laughs> say enough about you. I can never thank you all enough for all the love and support. You truly understand that, you know, a child entering the system, you know, how they step off that that curb in the very first step 
is truly going to be the difference of what road they go down. And you and I both know that. That's right. We both know that. You know, as we end this up, I have a question for you. If there was one thing that you could change, one thing that you could change about the system, what would that change be? Ooh, that is such a great question. Um, I think that I think that you actually said it a couple minutes ago about putting the child first, the interest of the child first. Um, from what I have seen and experienced, sometimes that gets lost. And again, the child gets ping ponged and there's just, there's trauma layered on trauma. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that the, the time it takes um, to move a child through the process, um, knowing that we do need to give all parties a chance to kind of, you know, get stabilized. Um, I think the timing it takes um, and again, just whether or not the child is truly the, the number one priority, I think is what I would like to see changed. Because I, I think that if that were to happen, um, you know, we would have a lot more success stories with children being able to quickly move from experiencing foster care to experiencing stability, yeah. um, which, you know, that's what's going to allow them to be, you know, better off um, emotionally, physically, um, and be able to thrive. I, I believe that, I, April, I'm 100% with you on that, because if you look at the statistics today, where we're looking at 80% of our death row inmates were in foster care, um, we as a society are failing these kids, yeah. failing these kids because exactly what you said, we are not giving them stability. Listen up, everybody. This has been another amazing conversation. I am so, so, so excited when I get to have my friends on, when I get to really talk about things that each and every one of us should be talking about. How truly can we make the difference? You know, as April had said, it's not like all these poor kids. You know, we can do something. You can do something. Each and every one of us, and I say it all the time, not every one of you can foster, not every one of you can adopt. But the one thing I know that each and every one of you can do is volunteer. You can mentor. Mentor these kids. They need it. They want to play basketball. They want somebody to sit down and read with them. They just want somebody to give them attention because they deserve it. Listen up, everybody. Um, until next time, um, by the way, Tristan, happy 15th birthday. Daddy's on his way home, and I can't wait to give you a big hug. Um, and I hope you all um, have filled your bellies for Thanksgiving and getting ready to enjoy the next holiday that we have. Take care, everybody.